Welcome to Neighbor to Neighbor, a podcast focused on highlighting extraordinary individuals and organizations making an impact in our community. Neighbor to Neighbor is produced by WeQ, a not-for-profit cooperative credit union based in Bellingham, Washington. Pasta. Americans eat a lot of it. In fact, this week, 59% of Americans will eat a pasta or noodle dish at least once. We eat on average 20 pounds of it per year. The thing is, not much of it comes from here, Washington State, or the Northwest in general. Most Italian-style pastas come from Italy, and if not from Italy, from the Midwest or East Coast. My name is Keith Mater, and today on the podcast, I'm sitting down with Katie Hinton, founder and CEO of Bellingham Pasta Company, a company that brings fresh, local pasta to the tables of Whatcom County. Well, thank you for joining me today. You're so welcome. I'm glad to be here. So I like to start at the beginning of your journey. Where did you grow up? I am born and raised in Portland, Oregon. Um, I stayed there till I was in my early 20s, and I moved to New York for about five years. And that's pretty much where I found my love for fresh pasta Mm. in New York. And I came back to Oregon Lived there for a few more years, moved up to Washington in 01, and uh, pretty much never lost that love of fresh pasta. Okay, going back. (laughs) Going back. You went from Portland all the way across the country to New York. What prompted the move? I was out of school, and I needed a job, and I got a uh, job as a nanny. Oh. It was a one-year commitment. Um, I really had nothing tying me down. I lived on Park Avenue on 67th. Okay. I was kind of dropped into this life that I had never even could imagine. Yeah. Um, and then I stayed there another four years, starting my career, which was um, I was a, a travel agent for about 25 years. Oh, wow. So I was in that industry in the mid 80s and all through till 2001, till 9 11. And then it kind of, um, kind of fizzled out, that industry. Yeah, I can see why. Um, but you're saying that you experienced fresh pasta when you were in New York. What was your very first experience with fresh pasta? And compare that to like what was pasta like growing up for you as important. Right. So the fresh pasta experience in New York was going to a place where they'd make it. Okay. And buying it fresh from the person who actually made the pasta. There were raviolis and all sorts of other, you know, types of um, filling type pastas. And and it was a culture there that in New York and many big city, you find where you go to the maker of these products, the butcher, the produce, the baker, mm-hmm. and the cheesemonger and all that. So um, it just kind of was that culture that when you wanted something, you pretty much went to the source. Mm-hmm. And then growing up in Portland, um, I was from a very foodie family. We had um, food from all over the world. We tried all sorts of new things. The pasta, though, was always dry. Mm-hmm. It was never fresh. We never made fresh pasta at home. Mm-hmm. You were in your you're living in the, these people's house, and you're taking care of their kids. You're a nanny, and 
Do you remember the first time that you went and you saw pasta being made or experiencing? Do you remember what that was like or where I you were? I don't. I don't really remember the stores that I would go to. Um, they were usually down in Little Italy or down in the village. Um, and, you know, that it was just kind of these kind of really high-end deli, you know, markets that had really a lot of specialty foods and when you're um, on Park Avenue and 67th, you're having everything delivered. You call in your orders, and they're all brought in. Oh, I see. So my experience with the, you know, going out into the city and really experiencing the food, food culture was after I left. That. I see. And so that was really diving into that in Portland. Yeah, and back into Portland, you know, when I moved back, there was a, a really great... Um, fresh pasta company called Pasta Works. And that's where I'd go. Um, and again, a high-end deli, had lots of great international and local um, food items, um, cheeses and uh, meats and all that. And they had fresh pasta. And I would go and order, they'd cut it. It was sheet pasta, which is very different than what I make. I extrude my pasta. So the sheet pasta, um, they do these long sheets of pasta and cut them to one pound, um, well, actually a quarter pound, so you get three sheets for a pound, and they'll cut them to different size cuts like fettuccine or linguine. So I'd go into Pasta Works and order different flavors and different cuts, and they'd wrap them in butcher paper, and um, off you go, and you'd have fresh pasta. So I pretty much just bought all my fresh pasta. I never did dried pasta. Um, and then when I moved to Bellingham in 01, with my family down in Portland, I would visit usually once every six weeks or so. And you visit Pasta Works. And, and I would get call, your... actually I'd call Pasta Works, place an order of like 20 pounds. Oh, wow. You know, so it's all ready for me because it takes a while to get it all processed. Yeah. And I'd go pick it up and bring it back to Bellingham, put it in the freezer, and just cook off that for a month, month and a half. Go back to Portland, call Pasta Works, so order another 20 six, pounds. Six hours to get your pasta. Well, you know, I had other reasons. I had family yeah, and, yeah. you know, holidays and all that. But, yeah, I mean, it was basically... And then my kids here in Bellingham, my two boys, grew up on this fresh pasta. It was really quick dinner. It was really nutritious. They ate it. It was good, good carb load. And um, it just was a great, quick, family, healthy dinner. So that's what I did. And then... As the travel industry was kind of phasing out, I tried, I did do about five years as what I call professional volunteering, where I was, um, you know, really involved in the, the schools for my kids, a lot of capital campaigns and fundraising. And I was also president and board member of the Columbia Neighborhood Association for, I think, almost seven years. So I did a lot of that kind of focus on the community and my family and then I kind of was thinking well I need to figure out a new what's next new, yeah what's next and so again I went back to the pasta still buying pasta in Portland bringing it up and I never made pasta I'd always just bought it mm. I never ever so I kind of started to play with it at home and I I knew that wasn't really what I was the direction I was going. I mean, I needed to produce pasta, not 
just make it for one family for one night. Mm. So it's a completely different animal to make pasta for you know, hundreds and hundreds of people <laughs> compared to one, yeah. one family. So I started researching, and um, I pretty much just f- tried to figure out the recipe, how to, how to, you know, produce it, what kind of machinery I'd need, and it just um, started that way. And it took me about six months. I had a business partner at the time, and we just... We found a machine. We actually found a couple machines. We started very small, and we re- realized it was like this machine's not going to take, you know, produce the amount of production we need. Where did you find the machines? So the first machine was in Tillamook, Oregon, which was oh. hilarious. It was from a restaurant, and it was teeny, a little, little countertop. But it was a good way to just test recipes and not spend a lot of money on the machinery. You know, kind of get the the system because no matter what size machine you have, it's going to be pretty much the same formula of recipe. And then we eventually found a used machine in Vancouver, Washington, uh, uh, BC. Hmm. And so we went up there, and it's it's quite heavy. I still I still using the same machine. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it's um, it was built in 1990, so it's pretty old. Um, it but sticks around for a while. It sticks, you know. These these machines are from Italy, and they're they're um, I kind of they're kind of sexy and kind of you know nostalgic, nostalgic, almost feeling and or? yeah, and they're really well made, and they're they're painted bright yellow or red, or you know, mm. they're just kind of like Ferraris of pasta machines. And um, we brought it back, and at that point, um, we were renting space, commissary kitchen space from La Fiamma. And they were so supportive of us and our, our, um, our you know, ambitions and goals. And they uh, sublet, you know, let us have some off time that the kitchen wasn't in use, nights, evenings, weekends. And we started, you know, producing pasta for... Um, our very first account um, was the public market, Terra Organica. And then we got out there, and about a week later, Andy Hagen called me. And we hadn't done any press releases yet. We were just trying to kind of feel our way. And Andy Hagen called and said, hey, I hear you're making pasta. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I was just about to call you, you know, next week. And he's like, I'd like to see what you have, and, you know, I'd like to bring you in. How did he hear about you? I don't know. I don't know. It's he still just, a mystery. It was kind of, maybe he has people out there, he had people out there, you know, looking. Were you selling? But you were selling. Selling at Terra. Only. Okay. Okay. And maybe at that point, maybe the farmer's market was starting to, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't think the farmer's market was going on at that point. But, um, so he's like, let's try one store. Hmm. And I did fair even. And, you know, because it was kind of a little more higher end and, you know, kind of a more of a specialty size market for them. And I think a little bit more of their, te- you know, they do a lot of testing there maybe. And so I was, uh, the manager was so um, inviting and helpful getting me in there. And, you know, at this point I had no experience with groceries. Yeah. I mean, there, it's a whole another animal of an industry I'd never known. And, you know, how it all works and, you know. The in you know the receiving and all that. So, 
Uh, we went in there, and it flew off the shelves. And he said, let's go into all the stores. And we went into all Skagit and Whatcom at that point. And again, still producing out of this little teeny commissary kitchen in the alleyway, you know, behind the farmer's market. <laughs> and um, we just started growing. The uh, co-op was next, and so on and so on. So you grew up in Portland. Mm-hmm. You decide to have an adventure. You go over. You're a nanny in New York. And there you first experience fresh pasta that's being delivered to your fancy house that you're staying at and you go back to portland and you say i need delicious fresh pasta and you find it and you start and you move up to to bellingham and you have a different career but you continue your love of pasta but it's so far away so you decide that after your your first career ends and you've done your volunteering thing and participation at your kids schools that it's time for you to to, you, to, to make your own pasta and experiment. You have a business partner. Man, quite the journey. Very, very geographic as far as, uh, as, far as that goes. So up to this point, you, you've, it's kind of just working out where you're making it in this little kitchen. You have these old machines that you found. Um, it's, very, it's very cute that you just found. And do you remember where you, like, the in Vancouver, B.C., was it an Italian restaurant? Or? Oh, that's kind of funny. Actually, this, this the gentleman I bought it from was Asian. And he was trying to make uh, Asian noodles. Oh, interesting. And so a lot of his equipment, the, where we have dyes that are screwed onto these machines, and mm. each die is a different cut. So he had these dyes that were very similar to udon and mm. um, these kind of fatter noodles, and he could not figure out how to do it, um. and he gave up. And so he just put it for sale. Did he ever like? Was it a restaurant that he had that he was trying to make his own yeah, Asian noodles for yes. the restaurant? Yes. But he was using an Italian machine, machine right. to make Asian noodles, right? Which you know is something people have asked me to do, and I am definitely curious. And I've tried buckwheat. It's tricky. It start. It gets really tricky when you start changing things up a little bit with recipes, mm-hmm. um, but and also time. So again, like I said, it took me six months to figure out the recipe and to figure out the the whole process of getting regular pasta out. So for me to kind of step back and work on a whole new project of new type of noodle or pasta, I would call this a noodle, not uh, being Asian, but. It's gonna take time, and and I don't know if I want to focus on that as my you know next yeah you know that's thing. that's interesting. So, yeah. so he uh, he was trying to make Asian noodles with the, yeah. with an Italian machine. <laughs> right. I'm sure that he was very frustrated. <laughs> yeah, he was like just just take it, just take it off my hands. <laughs> right. Oh, that's funny. Um, so that's it's interesting. I don't know. I guess um, if somebody's like thinking about entering the retail world. I'm, I'm sure that's it's quite a beast, and obviously, it sounds like you had a, a great experience because you were approached, mm-hmm. and then it just so kind lucky. of flew off the shelves. Mm-hmm. Um, did you go and do promotions for it in the stores, or how did how yeah, did they, people know about it? Definitely, the stores like to have demos. That's a really and anytime you go to um, any conferences or meetings, uh, lectures about grocery and all that or food food farm, they talk about how demos are hugely productive and profitable 
So that is something if somebody's going to go into food, the food industry, they'd have to plan on doing. Spend some time in, in a grocery store. Sure. Now, the other thing that really helped us was the farmer's market. I mean, because there you're talking face-to-face, you're telling you're, you're telling people how to work with fresh pasta. Because mm. some people are very intimidated and very shy about it. and and Especially if you're used to cooking with one type yeah, of pasta. And, it's a and, different beast. Right. And, and I, I definitely want to go into the differences soon. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm a real foodie person. I've always has always have been. And so I don't get intimidated or I, I embrace it and want to, like, explore and figure it out. Um, but you but have some ed- people education very, opportunity right. to be able to tell uh, them. Right. And so it's so... F- that was a, that's been a really good um, uh, bridge to people um, and ex- in getting my product out. Um, so, do you think that a lot of people that were buying initially were ones that were exposed to the product in the farmers markets? Yes, and they're, or, for sure. So they're like, oh, well, I can it's buy it at the grocery store. It's a huge marketing thing, um, and I stay, even though I don't really need to be at the Bellingham Farmers Market, um, I'm there. Because I know that there are new people coming into the community every day, you know, moving here. And it's like a billboard. It's like a, it's saying, hey, I'm here. It's, you know, for that, for people that like to buy local produced um, goods. It's just a it's, group of people that are making local goods mm-hmm. and local yep. produce. And it's a great way to go to a community if you're moving to a new community to go to the farmer's market and figure out what, who's that's, the baker, who's the... That's cool. You know, it's not, it is the farms, for sure. And there's yeah. always farmers at a farmer's market. And there are some farmers that are, have some specialty things and, you know, products. Hmm. But um, for the value-added products, it's really interesting to see who's making what and what what's out there, the honey and all that, right? So That's cool. I think... Intuitively understood that a farmer's market was a way for you to say, okay, well, let's push back the the, the big box um, stores. And, and even like, the medium box and the small box. I yeah. mean, you know, it's getting right to the purveyor. And the people that are creating yeah. things just with everything that's grown locally and sourced locally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So you are... Still in a little kitchen. Oh, oh yeah, back then. Not today, oh, not now. Over, <laughs> over by yes. the farmers market, <laughs> right. and you're you're getting into a few more Hagen stores mm-hmm. and Tara, mm-hmm. and you're in a few farmers markets and restaurants and restaurants. Mm-hmm. Okay, and where do you go from there? So I'm bursting at the seams, I'm trying to find a kitchen. It's been you know two you know year two need years. some more space capacity. Sure. You know, thinking about all the different scenarios. You know, should we open a Gourmet deli, you know, there's really more, you know, brick and mortar. Should we, you know, do this and that? And we looked at kitchens and how much money it would cost to convert, a, you know, even just a storefront into something we, you know, wanted or needed. And it was, you know, we, we looked at a lot of places. And then I was approached again, <laughs> approached <laughs> um, with, from a very successful um, business person here in Bellingham. He had a restaurant that he had um, purchased three years prior, but had never opened it. And so he was trying to just kind of offload some some stuff, some business stuff that he had, and he was selling it. And I had somebody approach me. It was kind of, again, exclusive. Um, It wasn't like on the market. And 
it was the um, the table restaurant, and that was on the corner of Commercial and uh, at Mal Baker Theater. So I looked at it. It was a huge kitchen. Pretty much the back of the house was just as large as the front of the house. Uh-huh. And I figured out a way to produce pasta in that kitchen as well as run a restaurant. So for the next six years, um, that was your had, endeavor. We did that. And it was a challenge. It was much more than I wanted in all sorts of aspects. Just um, a lot to manage or lot of man- you know, new challenges that you wouldn't have just Yeah, and I never wanted pasta. to get into the restaurant, you know, to be a restaurant. So I um, had a partner again at that time, and um, they, run, they ran the restaurant part, and I did the pasta part. But as the majority owner and the president of the company, it was always falling on me as well. So I never really threw the, you know, didn't I didn't ignore the restaurant part. It was part of my daily life. Um, and it was a lot of employees. I had 26 employees on the average. And, you know, that industry, the restaurant industry, is a very unique um for labor and, and employees and HR and all that. There's a lot of turnover. There's, you know, um, just a lot of moving parts. So um, after six years, I sold it. And um, it turned out great. I, I think I found a, a person to take over that facility that um, had a great vision and energy. And he's done a wonderful thing with that, with that property that location um, and that was part of it I wanted it to I wanted it to kind of grow that was such a beautiful location and and um, I have a fond you know fond memories of, of that I wanted I wanted it to grow really well so I think it's done really well since um, and then so then at that point I found a commercial kitchen and that's really where I wanted to be the whole time I wanted to facility that kind of more the production side more of things. production no yeah. retail my retail is my farmers markets mm-hmm. you know that's and that's nice because it's once a week mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah uh, staffing is pretty minimal Easy to balance, uh, balance, more. yeah so um i've been there so two years now you're listening to neighbor to neighbor a podcast by weq more from my interview with Katie Hinton, founder and CEO of Bellingham Pasta Company in a minute. But first, did you know that you could download and listen to Neighbor to Neighbor anytime? Visit iTunes, search Neighbor to Neighbor, download, and enjoy. All right, back to the conversation. Now let's go into uh, a little bit more about what is the difference between what a lot of folks maybe cook with as far as the dry, hard pastas and fresh pasta. Okay. Well, the, the hard pasta um, is usually vegan. It's usually not, doesn't have an egg in it, majority of it, unless it says egg pasta. Um, so you're not going to have a protein source. Um, it cooks a lot longer. The shelf life, of course, is a lot longer. Um, it'll take about 12 minutes or so to cook, I would say, for a spaghetti. Um, where the fresh pasta, and when you say fresh pasta, when you look at 
the shelves at the grocery store, there's a lot of fresh pasta. And some of it, the shelf life is over 30 days or more. And that's more the vacuum sealed, the stuff that comes from back east, usually New Jersey or New York. Um, it is fresh, but it I don't know how they can keep it on the shelf that long. I, it may, I, yeah, looking at the ingredients would be probably a good way to start to see how, if there's any preservatives or additives there that are keeping it on the shelf that long. Um, my pasta is a two-week shelf life in refrigeration. Um, and my ingredients is a very simple, they're a semolina, which has no enrichments, which uh, a lot of the flowers, the flour that's ma- uh, milled, still they put enrichments in. So, I don't know what enrichments are. Well, there'll be chemicals to pre- preserve the flour. To um, Some back in the day, they act, they added enrichments for health reasons, for, to give people nutrients hmm. that were not, you know, but at this point, they don't. But these people, days, it's more preservative right. as far as like having maybe a few more chemicals in right. there. And when they and they just recently took my enrichments out of my wheat, out of my flour, um, about a year ago. Hmm. And when I was actually able to meet my farmers, my 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 wheat is from Shepherd's Grain, which is a cooperative um, mill um, in Spokane. Oh, and. Um, they have a um, cooperative of maybe 50 farms in Oregon, Washington, and Canada. And it's a really interesting company, and people should look it up. It's, it's, uh, they're very um, progressive in their way of farming. And um, so I was able to meet. So my, my flower is semolina, which is a hard durum wheat, not grown. Um, in Washington, it's actually in Montana and in Alberta, Canada. Hmm. Um, Is that just based on the climate? It just mm-hmm, grows better yeah, where right. it's maybe drier, probably colder too. Colder, I think. okay, yeah, and drier. Um, so I was able to meet my two, the two farmers who grow my wheat. Uh, we met down at the Fremont Brewery in Seattle. They were on a tour cool. with the Shepherd's Grain. And we had a nice beer and conversation, and I kind of talked to him about my, some of my concerns about my wheat because I was finding these little specks in my flat. In my mm. once I produced, I didn't really see them and see it in the flour, but when I produced my pasta, um, these little, very, very, very fine, almost like pepper ground, but very scattered, not like mm. solid pepper. And I showed it to them, and they're like, oh, you know, because they don't see that. They they grow the wheat. It goes to the mill, and it gets baked, and it's sent out. There's a couple so, more people touching it. Right. And yeah. so they explained to me that, and I said it would come and go. You know, it's not all the time. It's just sometimes they, they explained how the milling worked and how when you got to the more of the bottom of the silo, there was debris, and there was, you know, like oh. just these things that would just... You know, fall it's down so and funny. it's not pure. It's All like, the things that we don't think about right. in our food. And the so tiny he said it's probably you know when kind of towards the end of the of that you know silo or something. Hmm. And so they go, well, we'll bring it back to the mill. We'll talk to them about it. We'll say this is a concern. This is obviously you know because I was showing it to them, and it, I haven't seen it. <laughs> I mean, like it it was taken care of. I mean, 
That's cool. Yeah, and so I not don't only see do you, it at all. Not only do you know who like works the ground, right? Gets the stuff to the mill, um, but you you're able to Tweak protect it. your yeah. your your customers, right? By being their advocate with the farmers that you're right. working with. And they were and they've invited me up. I have you know they said come up any time and stay at that farmhouse. And they have I mean these people have tens of thousands of acres. Yeah. I mean, these guys are huge, huge. That'd be fun. Yeah. And they also have, um, it's being in Canada, they're in Lethbridge, Alberta. Hmm. They do rotation crops, and their rotation crops is hemp. Oh. So I have a photograph in my kitchen of this beautiful wheat field that's right boarding up against a hemp field because <laughs> they're doing the rotation. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah. And they're just... It's just really neat to say, I know my farmers. I know the people who grow my wheat. The other thing is my bags of wheat that come in. I do about 18 tons of flour a year. Mm. Every bag that comes through my, and they're 50-pound bags, is numbered. And I have, I can actually trace that back to the actual field. Oh. That field, that harvest. It's kind of like a wine, like wine. You're like, oh, this yeah. is in the right. that section right over there. Right. So it's very specific. You know, if there's any issues or any, yeah, it's right back to that exact. And yes. that's what Shepherd Grain does with all their flour. Mm. No matter if it's just you know baking flour or call them up, check up, check out block yeah. fifteen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Nice. So, yeah. Do you know uh, who makes your who does your eggs? So my eggs come from Snohomish County. Okay. And I, again, I'd go through, let's see, what I do? Um, 1,500 eggs a week. Mm-hmm. Chicken farmer down there. But I do a whole eggs. Crack day. I crack every single one of them. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not egg, you know, liquid egg or any of that. All right. So fresh pasta, uh, shorter shelf life. Mm-hmm. Typically, egg where there's not usually egg mm-hmm. cooks a lot faster. Yeah. I think one thing that I read was that it's um, it hold some of them hold sauces better, and yeah. so that's a difference that you'll find. Yeah. So with my production, I'm I do it extruding, and so the that basically is we're we're screwing on a brass die, um, which is about the size of a hamburger, I'd say. And, um, and each die is a different cut. And these dies are made in Italy. They're very expensive, like $700 a piece. Wow. And they're solid brass. And each die is a different cut. So like linguine, fettuccine, spaghetti, bugatini, whatever. Um, and every, having a die um, pasta, it, it pushes the pasta out with a texture that's appropriate to that new to that pasta hmm. so for example fettuccine and linguine will be very smooth in texture where spaghetti is going to have kind of this coarseness hmm. it's going to have um where it's going to grab the sauce so in italy the pasta is is definitely a feature but the sauce is what makes the pasta right they would be very probably horrified with some of the combinations that we do with mm. our pastas. Like, there's you don't do, you know, a I don't know. I'm just gonna throw something out like a creamy sauce with a certain type of pasta because it's just not a it's just uh. not right. It's just not appropriate to that cut of noodle. Mm-hmm. So, texture is very important mm. to the pasta. 
and the size and the shape and the thinness and how you know if it's very thin or if it's thick um it's yeah it's it they get really and it, funny thing is flavored pasta isn't really a thing in italy either mm-hmm. it's more of an american thing mm-hmm. i mean they do have a couple like squid ink would be a very traditional pasta there with which is the black pasta huh. and they're again specific cut um types of sauce with that um but usually all of them are semolina, and they would be all just plain semolina pasta. And the cut would be appropriate to the sauce. Where um, here, people like the flavor. They like my roasted red pepper linguine, or they think it's kind of fun. You've tweaked it to American palates. <laughs> right, I guess so. To American style. Have you been to Italy? Uh huh. Yes, a couple times. And. Uh, this was post having your no, business. No, I have not been. Oh, yeah, no. so if you were to go back, you yeah. might have a few different stops on I the would trip that would be would. different. Well, I definitely would go to the manufacturer of my machine for sure. Oh, it's yeah. It's a very small factory cool. in again, northern Italy. The thing about um, Italy, again, is the pastas are all very different and specific to region. So the northern pastas are all egg pasta because that's where the farms are and the chickens mm. and the eggs. Makes sense. The southern, like um, uh, south of you know Rome, would be non-egg hmm. pasta. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So in other words... Most Americans are eating Southern Italy yes, pastas exactly. more so Sicily, than Northern yeah, Italy. For sure. That's cool. Um, so what is next for you? Are you, uh, uh, are you, are you ever planning on getting in the restaurant's business, business again? Uh, are you planning on uh, going a little bit further out? or Definitely growth for sure. Um, and ex- I have been um, testing sauces. So this uh, last summer, this we're just finishing up farmers markets. This October, you know, the end of the season is October for us, and I've had four sauces at the markets every week, and they've been really successful, and people love it. It's a kind of a no-brainer to have a complete dinner offered to the people they're yeah. shopping, um, and so that will be my next uh, winter time. Is kind of the time where I have time to kind of grow and you know forecast and plan and all that for the next year so that will be um my this winter's project is get my sauces um in grocery stores in you know more more out in the public than just the farmer's markets cool um are you going to do anything to like educate people about how to pair the correct pasta with the correct sauces you know i I'm not because I'm the type of person that I will drink red wine with fish. You know, I mm. mean, it's it's whatever your palate, whatever you feel like. If you're enjoying it, I'm not gonna. They'll ask me, "What do you recommend?" And I'll say, "You know, you should try this. This is traditionally the the way to go." But mm. you know, and it's start there. And if they like that, then they can stay there. If they, you know, want to explore and do other combinations, that's fine too. Mm-hmm. I. It's just a meal. It's just a dinner. It's you know. It's. You know, the whole world's not going to fall apart if they mix the wrong sauce. Do you <laughs> think? Do you think? You know, it's it's whatever you feel like you want to do. Cool. Yeah. Well, excellent. I, um, I've i really enjoyed the conversation, and it's been interesting to hear about your journey from, from Portland to New York to Bellingham and all the different um, successes that you've had along the way. Um, appreciate your time today. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to Neighbor to Neighbor, a community-driven conversation highlighting individuals and organizations making an impact in our community. Neighbor to Neighbor is produced by WeQ. Did you know that you can download and listen to Neighbor to Neighbor anytime? Just visit iTunes, search Neighbor to Neighbor, download, and enjoy. Thanks for listening. Unless specifically stated otherwise, WeQ does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast, and information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement.